Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and uh, it's been a minute. I hit my rookie wall is the wording that I'm going with, and uh, I got Frankie Cardicelli joining me today. We are just leaving practice earlier today and hopped on here to two days before the deadline, talk a little bit about Davion Tyrese and everything going on. How you doing, Frankie? Brendan, uh, rookie wall. If if you're hitting a rookie wall, I'm hitting a sophomore wall. So doing good, all things considered. Uh, it's been a little tough lately to kind of be optimistic or excited about Kings-related news. Obviously, they've won two of three. Take that how you how you might. Maybe you care about that. Maybe you don't. Uh, I don't know how everyone's standing and, or thinking about do they want to make the plan? Do they want to just go for the draft pick? But as we know, the trade deadline is what, 72 hours away, a little less than 72 hours away. And that's kind of what all of our eyes are and ears are set on right now, but I'm doing good. Other than that. Yeah. We're recording this on uh Monday about two o'clock trade deadline is Thursday, 3 PM PST. So we'll see. Um, I don't think I've gotten to really talk about it on, on it here. Fox has missed the last eight games um, with a sore ankle. Uh, apparently, his reasoning is that he sprained it in Detroit, which you, you can see him roll his ankle and, and it bothers him in the Detroit game. But uh, he still played through it at the end of that game, um, which who knows, maybe was a mistake, uh, depending on you know, the realness of what's going on here. Um, and then he said he went out against Milwaukee the beginning of their road trip and going through warm-ups just didn't have great motion. He said out of practice that a lot of it is the lateral motion. It's not any sort of, um, it's not exactly sprinting or jumping. It's, it's lateral movement. Um, and he's missed eight games. And I want to say the last three or four, we've heard that he's a game-time decision about 90 minutes before tip-off when we do pregame with Alvin Gentry. Uh, a little sus, Frankie. Yeah, it's... It's definitely, it's it'll, it'll make you raise your eyebrow. And when you look at how well Vox was playing too before he went out, 10 games up until the injury, 23.7 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and he was shooting 50% from the field. Um, the injury, we, we all saw him kind of tweak that ankle. Uh, but just the fact that we've been seeing him now at practice, or you saw him at shoot on a couple of days ago, uh, today he was doing windmills after practice and looked pretty comfortable as an athlete can look, a professional athlete can look on a practice floor. Uh, and, and just the way the, or- the organization's handling it, how they're being kind of quiet about it. Uh, Fox had to come out on his own and tell us that all the tests came back negative, MRIs, x-rays, what have you. Uh, he, Fox did say something that everyone kind of was hanging on to a little bit uh, as far as him saying his ankle injury from two seasons ago has I think quote the quote was it's never fully healed or it's still always bothering him a little bit, which that's kind of concerning. Might want to get that right, uh, especially the fact that Kings have the longest off seasons of pretty much any NBA team <laughs> every year. So it's it's definitely interesting. I I would be I would be surprised if he plays before the All Star break or All Star break the trade deadline. So because you're this close, if the team is for sure not going to move him which they've said they're going to, but then again, you have reports that they're saying, well, they're saying that, but do we actually believe that? That's not our story. Why not just pull them out for another two games? They're back. It's a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. The deadline's Thursday at, at 12 PST or, or 3 PM. Uh, I think it's, it's 12 PST. I think it's 12 PST, right? Three. Oh, Eastern. you're right. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's early portion of a day Thursday. I mean, why not hold them out for two more games at this point, right? But uh, we don't know what ownership is pushing for. They are close to the play-in, uh, to the dismay of many. So there could be some <laughs> urgency on that end. But if they're looking to move him, I could understand why they want to hold him out. Um, and then also, in closing, there's always a possibility that he is just holding out himself until some moves are made to see what direction the team is going in. Uh, these are things that we don't know yet. Hopefully we understand them soon, but right now it's kind of confusing. It is. And I think my, like, you know, reading between the lines, it just doesn't feel like Fox couldn't be out there. Um, or, or that this is like, you know, I get, you don't want guys playing on, on things and potentially re-injuring or re-aggravating or anything like that. But it just doesn't feel like everything going on where it's there's like a real concern of that. It feels like there's something extra here. Like even little things like, well, I mean, the game time decision thing every single time is interesting. You know, it's always we're going to see how he feels when he goes out for warm ups. Um, it's like, OK, every like for how many games in a row now? Um, and even little things like after Mo Harkless's big game, I think it was against OKC. Um yeah, he ended up having a, a season high in points, rebounds. He, he had a great game, uh, just kind of hitting threes, and he and he's played well recently since he's kind of been back in the starting lineup. Is Gentry said after talking about Harkless, something along the lines of like, "Oh, I don't even think Harkless is a hundred percent yet." Um, and it was, and then I don't have the direct quote, but it, again, something along the lines of, you know, but we're at the time of year where everybody's a little banged up, and he's just kind of playing through it. And I was like, uh, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but with the whole De'Aaron thing, I'm like, this feels a little weird to kind of throw out there. It's just, it's a weird situation. And I think that if De'Aaron is frustrated waiting for what's going to happen at the deadline, you know, like James put out something that um, could potentially be frustrated because Buddy and Marvin were not moved on from when they requested trades this offseason. And I get how it'd be frustrating to have two guys around. I mean, Fox has spent the most time with those guys. Um, of anybody on this roster, I believe. Uh, I get how it's frustrating to have two guys around that don't want to be there when you're trying to, you know, the whole idea of like keeping Walton was continuity or trying to build something here and, and having two guys that made, that seem like they're probably hurting that, um, moving towards that direction. I could see how that's frustrating. Um, but if that's what's going on here, like I, I think that at the same time, if I'm Tyrese or if I'm Davion, I'd be really annoyed that De'Aaron is upset over this and that's the reason he's not playing. And I'm not saying I know for sure that's what's going on. I'm just like that feels like it is a very real possibility here. Um, and I would understand De'Aaron's frustration. But at the same time, like get out there and, and, and try to help contribute towards this because there are guys that are trying. You know, like, yeah. I get there's some that aren't, but there are mainly Ty Tyrese and Davion are out there busting their ass, trying every single time. And if there's something more here, I'd be annoyed if I was those two. Yeah. I mean, teammates, some teammates don't like each other in certain situations. We've been hearing about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, for an example, they don't like each other and they're still playing together. They might make a playoff run together. They have to get through these things. Uh, the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley situation We've seen this disintegrate over time. It's it's not really De'Aaron versus Buddy. It's more it's more of Buddy versus the organization on that situation. And then, of course, with Marvin and De'Aaron, we've known that they 
don't really like each other that much. At least that's what it, it's looked like. They don't like each other very much. Uh, that's been disputed minimally, but I think that there needs to be a reset. A reset needs to happen, and De'Aaron shouldn't be holding out of playing games to get that reset, and if that's what's going on, that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. I hope it isn't. You have to hope it's not, that he's saying, okay, I'm drawing my line in the sand, trade those guys, or I'm not going to play another game. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what's happening, but it is interesting timing. Granted, that the trade deadline is coming up, and Fox might have tweaked his ankle and at this point gotten close enough to say, what can we do for the team? Like I'm, I'm here. I'm the franchise player, but what can you do, Monty? What can you do? Who can you bring in to surround me with this talent? Because I don't want to move. I don't want to be traded yet. And at what point will that change? Because losing takes its toll. We've watched it break people down. I think part of the reason why there's been all of these issues among these teammates is because of the fact that losing can drive you insane. And when you lose, lose, lose year after year, game after game, it brings those demons out of you and those frustrations. And sometimes you take it out on each other and it's misplaced. And I think that's what we've seen a lot with uh, the buddy situation where he obviously does not love coming off the bench either, but losing games every single year, every single year of his career, he's not made the postseason. And he said that said that in an interview earlier this year about, man, like that'd be great to play in a playoff game. I'd love to know what that feels like. Yeah, he got asked about those back-to-back games against the same team like they're about to <laughs> yeah. do with Minnesota. He's like, I think, Sean, yeah, like, is it kind of like a playoff series? But he's like, well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, right. I'd, love to, I'd love to play him one someday. So, uh, that they, look, we're two days away from the deadline. Hopefully, this podcast in a couple of days, we have a clear answer to, oh, Marvin and Buddy were both moved. And then De'Aaron, if he, he misses the next two games, he comes back. That might be a little bit of a light bulb in all of our heads and say, okay, it's just, is that coincidence that Buddy and Marvin got moved and now De'Aaron's playing, or is there other reasoning behind that? But uh, I think everybody needs a nice little reset. Obviously, the organization and the team itself does, but this core group of players, and again, Buddy and De'Aaron were looked at as a, a backcourt of the, of the future, I think in 2018, 2019, when Buddy was averaging 20 a game and, and De'Aaron took his, his leap, and uh, I think he averaged 17 and 7 and, and helped them with the near playoff push so that is that's over it's done time to move on yeah and uh yeah i'm just at the point like this fox stuff is weird where you know i i think that like we've been getting prepared that like anything could happen for the last couple weeks now right with anybody and and you know there were reportings of that came out i think Siri is trying to figure out what's going on with this team, too. You, you breaking a trade, Siri? Yeah. Um, and we've seen reporting from James, Sam, Shams, uh, similar names, um, that Fox and Tyrese are not in conversations. Um, but I don't know. Fox stuff is weird and since those reportings where I just – I don't know that I'd be shocked. Like, I, I think I'm at weirdly at a point where, like, the only person I'd be absolutely shocked to see moved – is Tyrese. There's different levels of surprise for everybody. Like to me, Buddy and Tristan Thompson are, or sorry, Marvin and Tristan Thompson are the two guys where I'm like, I just don't see how these guys are on the team in a couple weeks. And I say a couple weeks because maybe it takes a little longer for Tristan Thompson because if he doesn't get moved, I would guess he just gets like bought out or waived. Um, those are the two guys to me that are like gone. I just like Marvin is going to be restricted. I don't see why you would bring him back in restricted free agency. It doesn't feel like a uh 
yeah, a positive for either side there. Um, and then obviously candidates of like Buddy Harrison or, or Rashawn um, are, are all like, uh, you could see it, right? I'd be, again, different levels of surprised, but, um, and De'Aaron would be a whole nother level of that, but Tyrese is the one to me, and same with De'Aaron, probably Davion falls somewhere in there as well, but Tyrese is the one to me where I'm like, I just don't see it happening. But again, you never know. Um, it's going to be a crazy two days. Like I, We have no freaking clue. We've heard left, right, and we've heard everybody's name thrown out. and It's, it's fun, it's, but scary. Be crazy. Yeah. Fun, but scary. And yeah, I'm on the same page as you as far as Tyrese goes. He... I know that no one's untouchable, but in my mind, he's as, as close to untouchable as he gets just because of the things he can do and how young he is and how controllable he is. He still has, I think, two more seasons on his rookie deal. Then he has restricted free agency. He could hypothetically uh, be a king for the next set, six, seven years, eight years. So I I would not move Tyrese. I think every king, most Kings fans are on the same page as far as that goes. But uh, with De'Aaron, I don't really think it's – necessary to move him either but there are those moves out there that you've heard of which yeah. i know indiana's not interested in the sabonis trade but that might be a deal i do just because of what what kind of player sabonis is and how much of a score rebounder and facilitator he is the only other big man who can do things as similar as as he can is is nikola Jokic. so it's it's gonna be an interesting scary intriguing maybe exciting couple of days. It's just when you look at the guys that the Kings have out there and that are available or they're said to be available, Harrison Barnes is the one that intrigues me the most because I think he's going to net you the, the most out of any player not named Fox or Tyrese. So what does that look like, though? Because James Ham presented us with a, a little trade idea today that would have brought Jeremy Grant to Sacramento uh, without moving Harrison Barnes. Now, that's an, that's an idea that intrigues me, is ha- having a lineup that includes Fox, Halliburton, Grant and Barnes. That's intriguing to me. If that's something that would happen, I don't know how other fans would feel about that. I'm open to seeing how that plays out, but it, I don't know if I would trade Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant. There, there's just certain moves that I don't know if Harrison Barnes is being, he deserves a little more credit is my point. Like, is he yeah. a 20 point per game score? Is he one of the best wings in the league? No, but a, a, a wing that averages 16 and six and can shoot 40% from three, and is is the guy who Harrison Barnes is in the locker room and and the kind of person he is in, in the local communities of the teams he plays for, just that kind of person as a whole, is is worth looking out a little bit harder and making sure you're getting the right return for. So that's what scares me the most is that if they're going to kind of make a rash decision on someone like Harrison Barnes, people don't think about the, the De'Aaron Fox move, but I hope that Monty McNair really – really evaluates what a return should look like and gets the most out of Harrison Barnes. Because as we know, the Kings having decent to above average small forwards doesn't happen much over the years. There's Peja Stojakovic, Ron Artest, uh, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay, and then Harrison. That's pretty much it for the last 20 years. So yeah, the Glenn Robinson disrespect is just crazy. Hey man, Glenn Robinson, Andres Nocioni. Uh, my goodness. Who else? John Salmons. Yeah. Yeah. Legends. It's quite the group. Quite Travis the group. Outlaw. Troutlaw. Travis Outlaw. Yeah. Kings Legends. It's interesting. Um, Harrison would have to be some sort of positional shakeup that you're looking to do. But even even then, it's weird. Like like you said, Harrison is the position of need on this roster. Um, but he's the one where like I'm almost ready to just 
move on? Like, will OKC take picks and just absorb them? Like, I mean, it not take picks, but give you a second rounder or something and absorb them. Or like, I I'm over watching Buddy. It looks like Buddy's over being a part of this. Um, yeah, we've heard he's wanted to move. That they're trying to move him for however long. Um, we've had enough Buddy conversation. I think everybody in Sacramento media fan base, whatever probably behind the scenes feels like they've had enough buddy conversation I want to talk a little bit about uh Tyrese and Davion probably more specifically Davion but just this pairing that we've gotten to see you know Davion uh since Fox has gone down Davion has really been impressive and I I think he's had his first games of of his career and this is his rookie season of course where it feels like he's kind of put everything together all at once you know we've seen games where um he's just hit some shots earlier in the year even though he had some pretty poor percentages he did have a decent game against Golden State earlier in the year third game of the uh of his career 22 point game in Golden State um but his offense has been shaking it up and down there's not really been games where you see where he's scoring and passing and playing this really standout defense even though the defense is fairly consistent from him um but the six games now that he started these last six games he's averaging 19 points five assists on 48% from the field, 37% from three, and that's on 7.5 threes per game. Um, I mean, I've been a little surprised by what we've seen from Davion and and all the quotes, of course, coming out from Alvin and things like this when he's asked about this is, oh, I'm not surprised. He's one of the hardest working guys. Alvin constantly is like the one thing I love about him is that um, if you tell him to do something, to work on something, he's going to go do it. yeah, I mean, what have you thought about the emergence of, of Davion? It's nice to see. I think it's put a lot of worries at ease for some people that would watch him over that first you know, 30 games or so of the season when the shots just weren't falling for him. And I was telling, I think, Chris or someone the other day about how reminiscent it was to... Now, Davion Mitchell wasn't a quote-unquote... Well, he was, I guess, kind of a shooter in college. At least the last year of his career at Baylor, he was knocking down the three-pointer at what 42 percent or 43 percent it was kind of crazy um i think people were worried that that year was an outlier and what i was trying to say is it was kind of comparable to when the kings drafted ben mclemore and how when he would take a shot looks good every time he takes a shot it looks good and you think it's going to go into good nice set shot good form wide open usually and and you think he's going to knock it down and davion had a lot of looks where he just wasn't knocking them down and seeing those looks specifically the step back 15 footer uh, his three pointers, obviously 37% is great. Seeing those improve this quickly is very, very fun to watch. It's very, very, it, I won't say I'm surprised by it. I always kind of figured he would be kind of a 41, 42%, 33, 34% kind of shooter. I think he's going to kind of get to those numbers. If he keeps going this way, he's leveling out. I think he's still around 40% from the field and 30% from three. Yeah. 40% from the field and 31 from three. Um, it's been great to watch and he is facilitating he, which people are kind of knocking on knocking him for in summer league, which, which is stupid to do that for a summer league, uh, series of games, but he's only dishing out 1.2 or two assists per game in summer league. Well, 34 minutes a game right now is dishing out five. So five assists per game. Obviously, we know what the defense is and what he can bring on game, a gamely basis, but just seeing him play with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who is a table setter, is a distributor, and showing that Davion can be a scoring guard, a scoring punch off the bench, or get his buckets in the starting lineup, 
it, it's showing that, hey, I don't know if this is the the, the backcourt going forward if there is a situation where De'Aaron Fox gets moved, but uh, it's intriguing. And it's also intriguing to, to wonder, can the three of them play together? Like we all envisioned at the beginning of the season, three-guard lineups, three-guard lineups. Well, maybe we should see a little more. If De'Aaron isn't moved after this trade deadline, maybe out of the break, the starting lineup is Davion, Tyrese, and, and De'Aaron. Yeah. So Alvin got asked, and he was just like, oh, you know, we haven't made a decision on that. Just basic answer. Um, and, yeah, for Davion, I think that I definitely fell into worried that his Baylor senior season was an outlier when it came to shooting. Um, I still don't feel amazing about him as a shooter. Like, he's clearly a starting caliber player in the league. Um, it's just, is that above average? Is that just kind of average level? What are... Yeah, what are we talking here? And I think those swing skills are the three-point shooting and um, how good of a playmaker he is. And I think already seeing progress in that, I probably was premature. I think right before this stretch, I went on 13-20 and was saying, yeah, I think, you know, it might be time to start really worrying that that year was an outlier at Baylor. And then he went and did this. Uh, happy to be wrong there. So, yeah, I mean, that emergence is, has been great recently, and these games that he has played, um, I mean, that game against Brooklyn, James Harden scored four points in 30-plus minutes, and James Harden just was not himself. The, King, the Kings broke James Harden. Yeah, in James Harden's last game as a Brooklyn kidding. Net. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he guarded Kyrie. Uh, he mainly guarded Kyrie rather than James, but he did guard James in that one. Um, Who lost, yeah, he, and he lost his looks down the stretch. He started off kind of hot, Kyrie didn't, and... Both those yeah. guys had nothing, so that's credit to Davion. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be one of, if not the hardest guy to guard in isolation. Both of those guys, actually. Um, yeah, does that, and then the next night he goes up against Steph, which Steph is a lot tougher of a matchup for him, I think, um, getting through screens and in that sorts. But, yeah, I mean, in that game against Brooklyn where he plays the defense that we're just talking about, he also has 18 points, three assists, five boards. Um, there's a steal in there as well. And then he goes the next night against Golden State – after playing 35 minutes against Brooklyn, 37, almost 38 against Golden State, um, 26 points, eight assists, uh, probably his best game of the of his career of, of his rookie season so far. 11 to 17 from the field, three of five from three. Um, he comes out against OKC with 17 points, uh, two assists in there as well, and seven to 15 from the field, three of nine from three. Doesn't sound amazing, but he started one of seven. And then he hit his next two, both of which were at really big moments um, in the game to kind of help with runs throughout this, throughout that OKC game when they look like they might kind of bring it back. So Davion has been really good. Um, I'm the self-creation that he has and the handle, like he's he looks more comfortable and seems more comfortable. I think this was also the case at Baylor off the dribble than off the catch. Um, and yeah, some of the space creation step backs and like I said, handles um, are really intriguing where sometimes I look at Davion and I'm like, man, what is his upside here? And I think we're getting the first taste of like, man, he could be really good. Um, Finish, finishing at the rim too. He's He is he will drive into the paint and go right to the rack. And he's a big guy. Like he's a built dude. And the free throw shooting is not great over the last, you know, every the six game stretch he started, he's shooting 25% from the line on seven attempts per game. That's not ideal. I can't say that's ideal. And I think for the season, he's around 50%. That's got to improve, but we know. Yeah, he but, never gets there. No. And we know about De'Aaron Fox that shooting 70%, even or lower, is not going to cut it either. So 
Davion's ability though to get into the paint and get to the rim with the the ease he is doing right now, it's super. It's exciting because you know that if he can do that a little more often, kind of with Tyrese. Tyrese is the same thing. You kind of want these guys to drive the paint more and, and draw fouls. That's a criticism of Buddy Heal that he's gotten for years too, and Buddy still has never really done it because of how good of a free throw shooter he is. And he also is a guy who was a guard with a little bit of size on him. Go in there amongst the trees and, and try to draw the foul, get to the line. It's not happening that much for any of these guys except for De'Aaron, who happens to be the second worst free throw shooter out of the bunch, Davion being the leader. So Davion, though, being able to get into the paint with with ease and his quickness on the fast break, uh, it, it's an aspect of his game I wasn't fully aware of coming out of college. But he has the tools. He has the tools to be a decent player in the league. And he's 23 years old, which kind of puts him ahead of other guys in his draft class as far as maturity. We know his work ethic is off the charts, and we know that he, like you said, he'll work on whatever he needs to work on, whatever is, is given to him, whatever constructive criticism is handed his way. He's going to work on it, and I'm sure he knows more than anybody how bad his free throws have been. I'm sure he knew more than anybody how much he was struggling from the field, and it's about making adjustments. So I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now, and also maybe a little comfortability just being in the starting lineup. I don't know if it's a psyche thing. We know that Buddy Heald hates coming off the bench, I don't know if Davion Mitchell has a preference to the media. They might always say I'll help the team, but in reality, there's always a preference. Uh, some guys do prefer to come off the bench. Some guys prefer to start. So it'd be interesting to know what he actually does prefer. And I'm wondering if we can kind of see what way he's leaning when, when De'Aaron comes back and to see how his plays affected and the answers he gives us. But it's hard to not be impressed. It's hard to not be impressed, especially after how the year started for him. He's a rising star. So that's going to be fun. So kudos to Davion. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see how he's able to keep this up. I think it definitely should be interesting. And as great as the defense is and, and consistent, it's just that he is limited in that aspect because of his size. Um, as great as he is, it's really on ones and twos. And even sometimes twos are a little bit shaky, I think, with size. So um, he has to be an impactful offensive player, and that doesn't have to be a star or anything like that. But just what we're seeing, hitting open shots, I, I think is huge for him. You know, he had that, that game against Milwaukee. He had, I'm um, sorry, I'm looking at Tyrese's page. I was confused by that assist <laughs> count. I was like, damn. Um, like, all right, Davion. Yeah. But speaking of Tyrese, the other part of this duo, um, 17 assists against OKC. Holy shit. Woo! The fifth guy in the NBA this year to have 17 assists. Let's see if I have the other four off the top of my head. I think I do. Oh. It's Chris Chris Paul twice, Bradley Beal, yep. Darius Garland, and Fred Van Vliet. I believe all of those players have secured an all-star appearance in their careers. Yeah, they're all really good at basketball. They're good and, basketball uh, players. So is Tyrese. You can't, really run, yeah, you can't really run into a 17 assist. I don't know how many people have just ran into a 17 assist game that weren't premier playmakers or all-stars. Like I know Scott Skiles had the 30 assist game, but he was like a premier, not premier. He was a really good playmaker though. So it's like, come on, yeah. give, give him some flowers for the 17 assists. Yeah. And of course he comes out and still is highlighting his four turnovers in post game because Tyrese can never not talk about what he could have done better, even on a freaking career night. Um, I believe he said on the radio with G-Man after the game that he was trash. He said, I was trash tonight. It's so wild. It's wild to say after a 17 assists double-double. And he's not just, he he actually thinks that. I'm yeah. per, I mean, that's the impression that I get. Like, yeah. Um, these games, since 
Darren has gone down eight games for Tyrese, which includes that 17 assist game. There's a 38 point game against Philly where he went on his own 10-0 run at the end to almost bring them back, like capped off with this crazy sidestep three from the corner. It's just ridiculous shot. But again, eight games since Darren has gone down in about 36 minutes a night, 17 points, nine and a half assists, almost two steals a game. Four boards in there as well on 41% from the field, 34% from three, 87% from the line. Um, Not an amazing three-point percentage or anything, but obviously he is still an elite three-point shooter. He's still above 41% on the year. Um, No sort of questions there or anything. I think him getting to the line, we talked about it a little bit with Davion, but we've seen him do it a little bit more often, Um, specifically in that Philly game. He, He went 11 of 12 from the line, which is obviously very encouraging it's most career it's most free throws he shot throughout his career um yeah I mean what have you thought of him as the primary option like we saw a stretch a little bit earlier in the year but also so many other guys were out as well um so he was working with a pretty beat up lineup even outside of De'Aaron being absent but now it's really just De'Aaron Marvin um TDs in there as well but yeah I mean what have you what have you thought of Tyrese as as kind of the primary or even lone initiator I guess you could say well, it's funny. I was looking back to see what the last time that De'Aaron and Tyrese played together was, and we're coming up on almost a month since the last time they get, these guys have played together. January 14th against Houston, when the Kings won that first back-to-back, the first game of the back-to-back against Houston. Uh, on the 14th, that's kind of crazy. Just think about how long Tyrese has been in this role, and he's been doing a, a very great job, obviously. I mean, we know that the, num- the numbers are crazy. They jump off the page, but it's, it's why these questions have arisen about De'Aaron Fox. Tyrese Halberton has played so well as a starting point guard that is controlling the offense that for the first time and since De'Aaron Fox was drafted, there is chatter about moving him uh, on this much, on this large of a basis, as far as rumors out there and, and she got Shams and Sam Amick pieces. So Tyrese running the, the floor, he just has that basketball IQ that you see guys like Chris Paul have that you see guys uh, like, I don't want to say Westbrook this season. We'll go back a couple of years to when Russell Westbrook was a little bit, better of a basketball player than he is right now. Uh, but these premier playmakers around the league, Tyrese Halliburton is one of them. He is in that category. Now he is 7.4 assists on the year, I believe. And that's going to a number that's going to continue to climb. I would imagine it just, he looks so calm out there. Even when he does his patented jump pass, he rarely gets caught in no man's land and, and has to, to bail out it. It's something that the Kings have really lacked for a long time. A high assist guy. The Kings haven't truly had one like this since Rajon Rondo. And I know that De'Aaron Fox had his seasons averaging seven assists per game. But I don't think he had that many games with 17 assists, 13 assists, 14 assists that we've seen from Tyrese have on. I believe he's had four or five games this year with with 12 or more assists, I believe, or 11 or more assists. Um, Yeah, five with 12 or more. That's just crazy. Ten with 11 or more. That's just crazy. That has not happened since Rondo was here. And people look back on the Rondo days. I I know it was bad. I know that Rajon Rondo is a stat stuffer back when he was in Sacramento. He got his check after from Chicago. But the, Rondo was my favorite player growing up. So I I liked Rondo too. And people really don't don't like they dunk on his time here in Sacramento, and that's fine because the team didn't win anything. But man, he was such a great passer and great distributor and. Tyrese is different because he obviously is capable of scoring the ball too. There's those nights where he can run too. Now the 38 point night was wild and it's not fair to expect that on, on a more regular than not basis, but 
he's a guy who, in my opinion, I think he can average 20 and 10. I think he is a, he's fully capable of being a 20 and 10 guy. And there's not I many guys absolutely that can do believe that. it too, and that's insane. That's crazy. How many guys can do that right now? Like LeBron, Chris Paul, Luca maybe could do, probably potentially could do that. James Harden falls into it. DeJounte uh, Murray, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's all-star. Yeah. It's not a huge list. Lamella, no. maybe. Um, yeah. And I mean, he's, he's great. I, I think that there are times when they're out there without Fox where I'm like, maybe they could really use another playmaker. Um, but Davion has stepped up in that regard. I still think like there's some growth to be made. And I certainly think that I, I still totally think that Fox and Tyrese can play together just fine. Agreed. Um, I mean, that breakout that we saw from Tyrese just was while De'Aaron was out. And they had a game uh, um, against Atlanta where they both played well not long after Fox had come back from that. And I just think that we haven't seen many games of them both playing together since Tyrese has kind of broken out into this level. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, for, while what we've seen from Tyrese is, is great, I, I still think that this can happen maybe to a slightly lesser extent when it comes to the number of total assists or anything like that. But then he can focus more on scoring a little bit because I think there are times that Tyrese is maybe passing up his own looks a little too much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been phenomenal to see what Tyrese do what he's done recently. But I personally don't think that it is like, oh, because Fox isn't out there necessarily. Um, I'm still under the thought that like these guys totally can work together. Um, I, I think one interesting aspect, though, is that like Harkless has moved back into the starting lineup these last four games. He's played really, really good. Um, I mean, really, really good for Mo Harkless standards, which is nothing yeah. against him. I, I think that he's uh, lengthy. Defensively, he's exactly what they needed at the four. And it's kind of weird that he hadn't been playing. Um, but as I kind of gave it more thought, um, you know, I, I think that he should have been getting more run than he than he had been before this stretch. But for I think some of it has to do with Darren not being out there. You know, like Davion is a, I think he gets some respect from three, um, from opposing defenses. But obviously Tyrese and Harrison are there as well. Um, but Darren opposing teams didn't really care about shooting from distance. Um, Rashawn obviously is not a floor spacer, and it's hard to have a third guy out there that's not really spacing amazingly. Um, I know it's like kind of weird because the guys they were throwing out weren't spacing very well anyways and like Marvin or Metu but I think that those guys have a better three-point shot and maybe a little bit more trusted um and I almost wonder if Mo getting this opportunity is partially a product of Fox not being out there for the sake of spacing um but that could be me just like you know reading into it too deep and spending too much time and fucking theory crafting but Mo's been Mo's been really really good recently yeah Mo's been great it's kind of what everyone envisioned him to be when they got him not to the extent of 18 and 11 like the other night or the 16 point half in golden state crazy great play from him but kind of the guy who's just going to play defense hard-nosed defense and be a, a corner three-point option because he ha he loves the corner and i don't know if he's great in the corner i haven't looked to see what he's shooting there from the corner this year but uh he he's doing a really good job and it's the kind of thing the kings need going forward which is long versatile wings that can defend multiple positions and it's intriguing to me because if the Kings do move uh, Harrison Barnes and or Marvin Bagley 
is Harkless a mainstay in the starting rotation, depending on who they get in return? Like if they do go out and get a Jeremy Grant, is are you going to roll out kind of a small ball, smallish lineup and go Harkless Grant? Is that something that's enticing? I don't know. I don't know if that's the right formula, but it, it's hard to not be, I don't know if excited is the right word, but I guess feeling at ease, just knowing that he's finally playing the way we wanted him to play. Is it sustainable? I don't know. Uh, I hope so. But what do you think, Brendan? Are you are you liking what you're seeing? I definitely am. I mean, I like him better than Metu or Bagley. Um, yeah. And nothing against nothing against those guys. Metu specifically, like they talk about, oh, Metu's a crazy hard worker all the time, and he seems like a great guy. Um, it's just, I don't know. Like it's the rebounding that's the difference, right? Like Harkless isn't a great rebounder, but I think you're horrible defensively and Mo has active hands um and is disruptive like I think he's a difference maker on defense he's not just somebody like to me Harrison Barnes is like a member of a good defense but Harkless is somebody who helps make your defense good if that makes sense um so I personally think it's refreshing I'm also a guy that loves defense admittedly so maybe I'm a little bit biased in that aspect um yeah I mean I think it's been refreshing and I, I think that I almost wonder if there's an aspect of like obviously him and Buddy have gotten into it a lot. Um, I, I think we we've seen a handful of their engagements, and if you're listening, you get a chance to go to a game like just watch like bench interactions, and it's kind of interesting. They just stay very separate of each other. It seems. Um, but, but look, when they trade when the when Buddy Heel was traded, I think everybody needs to pay very close attention to what the chemistry looks like and, and see if those guys are having fun out there because I don't want to say Buddy Heald's the lone can- cancerous person, but... No, 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 no. It's not Buddy's fault or anything, but, like... It's a start. Yeah, and, I mean, like, even at shoot-arounds, he's... And they we have practices. that Like, the practices we go to, we go... They're already wrapped up practice when we walk in the building. Um, but... By I mean, himself. He's shooting by himself in... Um, All year. All yeah. year, too. Like, what do we see, Brendan, when we walk in every day? We see three players shooting together every single practice. Yep. Fox, Davion, and Tyrese are all shooting together right the in gu- front of the us. The guards. The guards. Mm-hmm. You have the G League guys of, um, or kind of second string, whatever, Lou King, Robert Woodard, Jamias Ramsey's TD is maybe with that group before. And then you have all the centers together, all 12 of them. Um, and then <laughs> Buddy just by himself. By himself. Um, even, even like he sometimes is not going into huddles during uh timeouts where he's he's just still shooting around on the hoop right there like it's just weird the chemistry is weird right now um I mean most this year and hopefully that gets fixed a little bit of this at this deadline I just want some excitement something to look forward to some good vibes with this team I guess yeah and it's just kind of like the question of what does that look like does that mean we're going for the play-in does that mean we're gonna move Harrison and and some of these other guys and just kind of hit reset. I, I hope we I, can answer that question. Yeah, and, at and at least I'm gonna talk myself in either one because it's kind of the person I am. And I I jokingly tell you I jokingly post like the there's X games back of the plan just because I know a lot of a lot of guys are saying well we should get the the, the top five pick. I love a top five pick. Uh, if they make the plan and they get outsid, that's horrible. That's a failure of a season. So I I want to trust the front office will make the right decisions 
and and have the best interest in that regard. But I I don't I don't have trust. I I want to, but I I don't. I I feel like in my bones they're going to make a move that in their head solidifies themselves as a legitimate 10 9 8 seed which I don't know why that's the goal. I don't agree with that being the goal, but I'll talk myself into it. If they do go get Jeremy Grant without giving up Harrison Barnes and they go make another low move for for a bench guard or someone to replace Buddy's scoring punch off the bench, I'll talk myself into them winning 22 of their last 29 games or whatever crazy thing they would need to go 22 and seven or something stupid, not possible, but all I, all I can do is hope that it works out. If they do go for a swing for the fences move. Um, I don't know if, the, if I don't know if the fence is, is quite a Jeremy Grant like label though. That's yeah. like a, that's like a double like baseball terms here. That's like a double, like a swing for the fences move would have been like a Ben Simmons or, or Sabonis move. So, um, so what are you, what are you, where are you at? Do you, I, I that's why I think I think they're going to make a move and they're going to go for the plan. That's just what I think the front office and the ownership wants. Do you think they're going to either hit reset and reassess and just kind of go for a, a top five pick of an actual tank, or are they going to say, "Hey, full speed ahead, we're making the plan"? I kind of lean towards the former of like a not full reset, but more of like a you know world. Okay we're still in position where we, they can chase the play in this season and, and still stay around the same sort of like talent level. I, I think you can just slightly shake things up a little bit this year and maybe slightly shake things up isn't this isn't the right word, but like moving one of, well, I, I, I think that ideally you move on from Buddy and Bagley. I think those are the two obvious ones. And then the substantial move, or I guess my wording of like slightly shake up would be like Harrison or Rashawn. Um, those are the two guys where you're changing the core um, and just looking to do something a little bit different and move forward next year with um, that along with ideally a top five pick. Um, you know, something like a, I, I think Jeremy Grant, it falls into that. I think, um, yeah, I mean, PJ Washington, we've heard recently, and I think it was, I forget who the reporting was. Um, and we know that Charlotte's interested in the center. I think there's a handful of like interesting slight change-ups, like a Miles Turner, for example, um, where, yeah, you're, you're adding talent or maybe trying to figure out more of a balance with the roster and also um, a top five pick this year. Like I, I, I personally think that it's in, it, the biggest thing that you could do this offseason is have yourself in position when the lottery comes around that you're top five um, that in, and you know, hit a home run on, on your coaching hire. So has to happen. That has to happen. Yeah. Um, has to happen. we'll see. I'm also, yeah, I'm at a point where I, I really don't think I'd be super shocked to see Fox move just because this feels so weird to me of what he's, what's going on here. And again, maybe I'm like irresponsible for, feeling like you're putting out that I feel like this is weird. Um, maybe so. it's just an injury, but it, it, it's weird. It's weird. I don't, I don't think, I think it's fair to, to assume that it's not a hundred percent that he's not going to be moved. Maybe it's 97%. Maybe it's 90%. Uh, maybe it's 51% that he's not going to get moved, but I think it's more likely than not. He's, he's going to stay, but yeah. it's still until that 12 o'clock, you know, till that, that 
hand strikes 12 and this deadline's over, it's it's going to be tough for me to fully believe that it's not a possibility. Yeah, and I'm definitely not, you know, like I think earlier month ago, I was defending Fox like crazy, and I'm still in that boat where we don't know what Fox can be because he hasn't been around an ideal roster for him. Um, but at the same time, you know, even what I had said previously is just that, like, if you're rather than like, oh, we need to trade Fox, it's more of a we're capitalizing on somebody else also being disgruntled or in a weird situation. Like, I don't like Julius Randle, but if you're talking Sabonis, which apparently they're not interested, right, or Brandon Ingram, for example, or Jalen Brown in a pick or something, or, or Fox in a pick for Brown or something like along these lines, you know, Um or if you're willing to reset and do draft picks for Fox, like I actually think that's a fine path. I just think it's not being talked about because I assume that's not within the cards for what's going on with this team. Um, so yeah, I certainly don't think it's like I have to move on from Fox or anything. I just think that if somebody else is possibly available, it's a similar skill level, but is uh, a better positional fit that, you know, Fox and, I mean, uh, Davion and Tyrese are a really good backcourt of the future and, yeah, maybe something like that happens, but no matter what, we're going to see something. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say definitively. I'd be shocked if we didn't see a notable move from Sacramento before yeah, Thursday yeah. comes around. If they don't do anything, oh, God. man. God. Which I, I don't think we, can, we can't we can discount that that's true. That might not happen. That oh, might, God. It, there is a, there's a very real scenario where – we're sitting in the press room for Monty McNair's press uh, post draft or post draft post deadline press conference. And he's like, yeah, we just didn't think there's any moves up there that would have made our team better in the near future today or the near future. Okay. I don't believe you. So <laughs> right. What are we doing? So let's, let's see what happens. It's going to be crazy to get through the next couple of days. Like tomorrow it's super intriguing to me because it's going to be, well, it's not the day before, right? No, we still have two more days. Jeez. I thought tomorrow was Wednesday. End this, please. Yeah. So we will see. Um, anybody unaware, Franklin Cardicelli. Got I said it. Before last time I was good at this. I am. You, I just got caught up. You got it right. You got it right. It's not easy. At, I'm sorry. You are all good. I'll forgive you for your choice of your last name. <laughs> at F Cardicelli3 on Twitter. Um, anybody unaware, yeah. Of course, covers the Kings for 1140K HDK. You got your Return of the Roar podcast with Chris Watkins as well. Shout out, Chris. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna see how this deadline goes. Until Thursday. All we can do now is just wait. Everybody's waiting. So there you go. we'll wait a little bit longer. We will. We'll see how this goes. A um, little back-to-back against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which could be some entertaining basketball for sure. And, uh, yeah, we'll – keep up uh, any sort of coverage on here and obviously all the guys at the king's herald are doing the same so definitely take a look at the site there and uh take a look at the patreon to support local independent king's coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's Pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and you hear from us again in the next couple of days